Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. One of the most well-known um, verses in the Hebrew uh, Bible, known as the Tanakh, is found in the book of Ruth in chapter 1. Let me read it to you, though many of you may recognize it. They broke into weeping again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law farewell. But Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has returned to her people and her gods. Go follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Do not urge me to leave you to turn back and to fo not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, there I will be buried. Thus and more may the Lord do for me and to you, and anything that death parts me from you. When Naomi saw how determined she was to go with her, she ceased to argue with her, and the two went until they reached Bethlehem. Now, many of you will remember that quote as uh, the essential moment in the book of Ruth, where Ruth, um, having been identified earlier in chapter one as a Moabite, tells Nomi, her mother-in-law, who is an Israelite, that she is going to journey back with her to the land of Judea. For the Jewish people over the course of two millennium, these verses have identified the notion of conversion, that an individual not born to a Jewish mother or not born to a Jewish father um, chooses to affiliate themselves with the people and the God of Israel. Many of you also will recognize that during the springtime, the Jewish people celebrate the holiday of Passover for seven or eight days. In Israel, it's a seven-day holiday, and outside the land of Israel, it's considered an eight-day holiday. And following the second day of the holiday of Passover, 50 week, 50, 49 days are counted, seven weeks, and on the 50th day is a holiday called Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which is commanded to the Israelites in the book of Exodus chapter 34. Again, let me read it to you. And you shall be, um, you shall, none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days shall you work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor. You shall create no labor, even at plowing time and harvest time, a reference to Shabbat, of course. But then it says, you shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the turn of the year. Three times a year your mail shall be appear before the sovereign God of Israel. So, the Feast of Weeks is a harvest festival, 
and later in the book of Exodus, it's associated with the end of the 50 days following Passover. Over the course of time, the notion of conversion to Judaism and the holiday of Shavuot have been merged as an essential aspect of the observance of Shavuot. Though the Torah speaks of Shavuot as an agricultural festival, once Jews were no longer abiding or living in the land of Israel, the ancient rabbis transformed Shavuot from an agricultural holiday into a festival which celebrates the giving and receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. And they counted 49 days from the seven weeks from the leaving of Egypt to the revelation on Mount Sinai. The revelation is the giving and receiving of Torah and conversion is the acceptance of Torah. So this morning, in honor of the fact that the Jewish people are in the midst of their journey from Exodus to Sinai, they're in the midst of the counting of the Omer, the counting of the 49 days, I want to chat with you about the notion of conversion. And to help me understand conversion and to help you, the listener, have a better idea of conversion, I've invited two individuals to join me in the studio. Pierre Coulomb taught political theory and Canadian politics in various universities for a decade. He then joined the Public Service of Canada, where he worked in different departments for almost 20 years until recently. His current focus is on public policy issues, in particular those that stem from pursuit of public goods in liberal societies. Pierre, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Good morning. Good morning. And Britt Hemming is a freelance web developer and the founder of Programs for Peace, an organization that teaches youth around the world the skills they need to be competitive in today's challenging job market and to get online and assess a digital economy. Britt, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So you heard my introduction and um, my As my guests and as the listeners might uh, discern, both of you have a personal connection to the process of conversion. Um, And so I'm going to ask uh, that we begin this morning with you um, sharing with our listeners um, what journey brought you uh, close to Judaism. Um, So Britt, Since you're the youngest in the room, let's begin with you. Um, I think that I've always been extremely interested in Judaism. Um, Ever since I was a little girl, I always read a lot of books about it, Um, you know, studied a lot about the Holocaust. Um, I just never was quite sure that it was accessible to me. I grew up uh, Roman Catholic, so, you know, the idea of the Bible and God is not a new idea to me. About two years ago, I had the pleasure of spending five months in Israel, and I really, really, really connected with a lot of people there. I was invited to their houses for Passover and different festivals, and um, since I've been back, I've just been on this journey to 
become a closer part of that community. And have you officially converted at this point? Uh, I have a mikvah date set for May 30th. Okay. And for our listeners, let me explain what a mikvah is. Um, a mikvah is a ritual bath. It's a um, ancient tradition. Um, there are mikvahot, that's the plural of mikvah, found in the land of Israel that date from at least 800 before the Common Era. Um on uh, Mitzada, um, numerous mikvahot were discovered, as well as Qumran, in which both communities saw them as an essential part of the purifying process um, that you participated in before you offered sacrifices or prayer. Over the course of the last uh, millennium, the mikvah has become an important part of the conversion process. So Britt is telling us that she's perhaps at the end of the journey, and we'll hear more from her about that journey. And now we'll turn to Pierre and ask him to share with us uh, his journey. Well, my, my attraction to Judaism goes back quite a few years, probably, I'd say probably 20 years. And back then... Um, it was certainly an intellectual attraction in the sense that I was uh, fascinated by how Judaism engages in debate and, and discussion and conversation. But it was also not only intellectual, but also visceral at some level, which is always more difficult to, uh, to explain. Um, the journey was not a, a linear one, for sure. I mean, it was on and off. It was uh, up and down and... There were a few detours, um, but eventually um, I gave myself permission to explore it further. And at one point, um, at one point, I, I, I felt I had reached a, a sort of a, a feeling of, of, of being Jewish. And when that happens, what was left to do was to knock on the doors of, of the community and ask if it would take me in. Okay, thank you. So both of you have um, described journeys that began sometime uh, prior to this moment, that this wasn't an immediate um, spur-of-the-moment decision. Um, Britt, you described um, your journey in Israel, your stay in Israel, as kind of having an impact on you that actualized some earlier thoughts about um, exploring Judaism. And Pierre, you suggested you'd been thinking about it for a while before you um, actually knocked on the doors of the community, as you said. Um, so let's just stay with the journey for a moment. What attracted you to Judaism besides, as Pierre says, simply the ability to argue with each other? Um, so the ability to argue with each other is definitely very attractive to me as well. But I think what attracted me to Judaism is, to me, it's this constant quest or journey for the right way to live. You're constantly in Judaism, you're constantly asking yourself over and over again and challenging your own thoughts and beliefs. And I think that's really important. Okay. And when you... Um indicate the right way to live, what does that mean to you as you think about Judaism? I think it's constantly questioning your morals. Um, do your morals 
do your morals align with with God and what God is trying to share with you and teach you you know the right path to live are you are you being nice to others it Judaism is not something that you um that you are it's something that you do and I think that was a really big difference for me Okay, so it kind of fits with Ruth's words to um, Naomi, right? It's not just your God will be my God, but your people will be my people. And where you go, I will go, which can be interpreted uh, not solely as if you're going back to Judea from uh, Moab, I'm going to journey with you, but the means by which you live your life. Okay, and Pierre, what attracted you to Judaism? Yeah, well, maybe to pick up on something that Britt was saying is the kind of ongoing questioning. <clears throat> and in a sense, I found that there is almost an inherent um, struggle in, in Judaism. And the way that it struggles with the Word, with Scripture, the way that it struggles with, with God itself, if you think of the, the great story of Jacob, and in the way that it, um, you know, uh, recognizes tension and struggle amongst each other as human beings, and and so, and so I find that that um, going back to what Britt was saying, I mean, when you have this kind of inherent tension, it 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 does require ongoing questioning. Now, some people think that religion should provide simple, direct. Um, easily understandable uh, answers about the tough questions in life. But both of you seem to be attracted to a uh, faith perspective that, um, as you defined, um, seems to offer the exact opposite. Um, you seem to have been attracted to a faith perspective that doesn't provide you, as you've pers- pursued it, with simple answers. Um, do you find that helpful in um, identifying yourself with um, a religious faith? For me, yes, I think so. Um, if the answers were simple, you wouldn't have to think about it. Uh, if you are able to accept something too easily, it's not a journey. If it's difficult and you have to question it, you're you're taking what you're learning and you're you're deriving meaning for yourself. And I think that that is very attractive to me. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, a, a, a lot of religious traditions have have questioning at their, at their basis. If you think of the Christian tradition and its 2,000 years of, of theologians questioning and asking themselves um, some of the big uh, perennial questions. But I think the difference that, I, that I've experienced anyway is, is in terms of a culture of questioning. I mean, there's a difference between some of the uh, theological thinking that may uh, be ongoing in various traditions, and whether or not uh, people in a congregation, for example, right. are engaged in a, in a weekly uh, questioning. So, so it's the culture of, of questioning, which which I find is is probably unique to uh, to Judaism and certainly attractive to me. So thank you. You've described the beginning of the journey and what might have you started on the road. Um, what was the what were the requirements that you had to fulfill um, to affirm 
um, your uh, decision. So, Britt, you alluded to the fact that um, you have a mikvah date, but what transpired before that that led to a mikvah date? And I think, Pierre, you've uh, attended to the mikvah. And so I'm going to ask you the same question. Let's begin with you this time. Um, so what kind of learning or experiences supported by the community did you have to participate in? Um, well, I guess a variety of, of things in my case. Um, certainly the uh, Insights into Judaism course was probably the, the, the formal introduction to, uh, to Judaism. Um, but other than that... Um, so that's a yeah. course that was offered by a synagogue in Ottawa. And how long a course was it? Correct. It's, it's um, you know, it starts in, uh, in September and it goes on until June. So it's, it's a fairly substantial weekly commitment to, okay. uh, to learn about Judaism. And, um, so an academic year, maybe about 30 weeks or thereabouts. And um, Britt, did you attend a similar course? Yeah, the same one, actually. The same one, but not at the same time. <laughs> not at the same time. Okay. So um, either one of you could answer this question. What were the topics that would be introduced to you in a course such as that? Um, each week is a different topic. So it goes through everything from the Jewish life cycle, from birth to marriage to death, and the festivals and... Um, the Holocaust, Israel, uh, you know, anything that is involved with Jewish life and living Jewishly. Okay. And and, and, and a, a portion of it, I, I don't know if it's still the case, uh, but a portion of it was, was Hebrew as well. Mm. I mean, learning okay. Hebrew. So the synagogue that you studied at felt that learning uh, phonetic Hebrew in order to participate in a prayer service was also important. That's correct, yeah. Good. Um, were there questions that were not answered by the course that you had to pursue on your own or that you're still pursuing? Well, in, in my case, I mean, there were other things happening at the same time. So, for example, I was attending uh, Torah studies, which precedes the, uh, the Shabbat service. I was going to, um, to the Shabbat service as well. I remember the rabbi saying there's nothing like experiencing you know the uh, the service to uh, to learn about it, um, and eventually Talmud studies as well. Um, and I was learning Hebrew on you know on the side as well at the so JCC. So you've kind of um, added to the formal class structure um, a um, weekly opportunity to learn from the sacred scriptures and also to learn from the rabbinic material called the Talmud. Okay, so that's been a fairly um, in-depth kind of um, intellectual pursuit. Um, and Brit, how did you, if you did, supplement that course? Yeah, so I think I was on a long journey before I even began this course. Um, in terms of Hebrew, I started studying Hebrew when I was in Israel and have been studying it uh, for about two years. So although I'm still rusty reading and writing, my conversational is not too bad. Um, I also, I've read a ton of books, anything I could get my hands on. Um, and I also attend Torah studies and, um, just try and supplement my, my knowledge okay. in different ways. So both of you have found that, 
um, learning and reading have been helpful to this journey. Uh, but my other question was, so what's left for you that are the tough challenges about making a transition from some sort of uh, Brit identified that she had grown up in a Roman Catholic church and Pierre didn't identify, but I, you know, you may have grown up churched, as they say. Um, so what challenges are left to you at this point in your journey to conversion? I think my biggest fear was acceptance. Like, would, I wasn't born Jewish, so would I be accepted in this faith? Um, okay. And I mean, obviously that answer is going to be different for every person um, that I encounter. But so far, the acceptance has been overwhelming. And I think that was my my biggest challenge was that fear. Okay. Yeah, I think that the challenge at my end is, I guess, I guess they're the challenges that come with living in a in secular times, in the sense because we, you know, when you think about secularization of society, you think of the the the, the great advances such as creating secular spaces. We know that's not necessarily easy to do if you think of the current debate in, in Quebec society, and every society has its own answers to this. But you also think about um, the decline in, in religious practice, for sure, and, and, the, and the decline in belief. And so, so one would think that if, if, you know, if, if one engages fully into modernity, then the, the, the natural direction is to move away from religious practice. Right, and it's not to to join a a uh, a new tradition, especially if you've left a tradition you already had. Mm-hmm. So there's something that, in a sense, is a it's almost a communications challenge. I mean, if you're born Jewish and you're asked why are you a Jew, well, the answer is because my my, my mother was Jewish. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're uh, a cradle Catholic, well, the answer is that you know I was baptized three days after I was born, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're, there's a unique challenge to the convert, maybe to having to, to explain in some ways, you know, why uh, this this kind of uh, of choice. And have you found people um, supportive of your choice, questioning of your choice, challenging of your choice, or perhaps all of those? I, I would say all of those. Yeah. And, and, and of course, one, uh, one approach is to keep this in, in the private sphere, right? Sure. To, to say, well, you know, for the same reason that, that we've got a separation of church and state, we have a separation of public and private, right? And we can say, well, this is a private matter and, and religion is relegated to, to the private sphere. And so, so in that sense, you can always say, well, you know, there's no explaining to do because it is a private matter. But to me, that's not entirely satisfactory in the sense that it is a commitment that one makes, a commitment to uh, to community, and and uh, and you know you want to be open about it, and you want to uh, be able to explain why you've you've uh, you've taken on that journey. Britt, do you want to add something to that? Uh, no, just that I agree, um, and I feel like you know not everyone is going to be accepting, and and that's okay. It's, it's your journey, and it's your life, and you just have to make peace with that. 
I, I want to change gears just a little bit. Um, Pierre had mentioned that he's a student of Talmud, this collection of um, rabbinic uh, musings about topics from A to Z. And um, conversion is one of those topics that the rabbis speak a lot about. Um, in the Torah, there is no formal methodology of uh, conversion. There's what's called the ger toshav, the stranger that lives amongst us. Um, and that person is welcomed into the community, but accepted as a stranger. And then there's the ger tzedek, the person who accepts upon themselves the rules and obligations of the Jewish people. Um, but post-biblical times, the rabbis spoke about conversion, and they spoke about the process of conversion in the following way, that one should um, educate the prospective convert about the easy laws, about the difficult laws, and then send them away three times to make sure that they understood what they were getting um, involved in. And the commentaries tell us that one of the uh, most important issues that the rabbis were concerned about is that uh, during the time of the rabbis, somewhat between the 3rd and the 7th century, Jews were an oppressed people, and they wanted to make sure that um, prospective converts knew that it wouldn't be an easy ride. We live in a time um, not so long ago, there was a shooting in Poway, um, California, uh, at a synagogue, and that um, six months prior to that, there was a shooting in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In both cases, individuals were murdered. So I'm wondering, with the rise of anti-Semitism, um, which has been noted both in the United States and Canada, has any of that um, impacted on your decision um, do you fear, feel fearful now in a way that you hadn't before you identified or chose to identify with the Jewish people? And we have about three minutes to answer that instead of 10 years. Um, it's definitely something I've thought about, but it's not something that's changed my mind about this journey and the fact that I want to be a part of this community. Okay. Does it leave you with a sense of anxiety about your choice? No. I mean, the world is a dangerous place, no matter who you are. And I think, yes, there's anti-Semitism. There's definitely that extra risk. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like if it's meant to, if it's meant to be, it will be. If, if it's your time, it's your time. There's not much you can do to... You can't tiptoe around life and not live your life because you're afraid. Okay. Pierre? Uh, it, it didn't really um, enter my mind. I, I, think, I think when you, you quoted uh, Ruth and, and such a strong commitment, right? And, and it's, it's a beautiful story. And I, and I, I guess in some ways it's how I felt. And so, you know, you, you, you commit and, and, you know, wherever... You go, I will go. I mean, and that involves the good and the bad. It's um, so I can't say that it is something that um, that you know that uh, creates anxiety. Um, I have the awareness of it, um, 
but uh, but it didn't. Uh, it was not a consideration. It wasn't a consideration. Okay, so unlike the ancient rabbis, your rabbis didn't send you away three times uh, by virtue of the surrounding uh, impediments um, to Judaism. Okay, um, well, I want to thank you for joining me this morning and for chatting about your journey. Every convert's journey is different. And though the two of you may have studied in a similar uh, manner and in a similar course, you identified for our listeners how you personalized that journey and how you made it something of your own. Um, I wish you luck. Um, I hope that this will be a, a wonderful life choice. Um, for Jewish faith and Jewish facts, I'm uh, Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can listen to a podcast of this radio broadcast on iTunes or on the CHRI website. Shalom and have a good day. Behold.